Welcome back to the Infinite Gain podcast. I'm your host, Nick Hilkathuria. This whole summer's kind of been a really wild ride. I've been all over the place, uh, grinding, working at this business, which you'll hear about in future episodes. Um, It's been a lot of time traveling, which is kind of what I want to focus on for this episode, just like exploring all over the world and the takeaways from those travels and what I experienced and what the what my guest on today's episode also experienced. So today I brought on my good friend Reese. Um, he just graduated college and spent like six or seven weeks in Europe just staying in hostels and whatnot. So I mean he can provide like a, a unique perspective on that whole experience as well, a little bit different from what I did. So, Reese, how's it going, man? It's going great, man. It's great to be on here. Uh, exciting, the future number one podcast in the world. But yeah, I'm uh, excited to come on and uh, just talk about kind of what we took away from traveling and everything else because we kind of just do this on the phone anyways. Yeah, it is kind of funny because, so for anyone who's listening, like me and Reese will, you know, we'll hop on the phone. It'll be like a surface level conversation, like something normal. And then next thing you know, we've been talking for two hours about, you know, religion or, you know, family or like traveling or whatever. Uh, and it ends up being like a deep conversation. So it's like, why don't we just record one of these? <laughs> it might, uh, it might actually be kind of cool. Uh, okay, so Reese, you just you just graduated college, and you're like, what the hell do I do? How did you end up in Europe? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those where I wanted to do study abroad, and COVID kind of hit, and you know, you had the people who who kind of stayed home and were grinding some awesome finance jobs like you did, and then uh, people like me who were kind of just procrastinating at school and just didn't get to go abroad. Um, And so I kind of was like looking for a job after school and I didn't have anything lined up. I didn't have super like a huge amount of clarity on what I wanted to do. And so I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to take a take a vacation here and go explore a little bit, meet some random people. And it ended up being a few weeks longer than I had originally planned. (laughs) Awesome. Um, You say like you don't have you didn't have the clarity on what you wanted to do. Do you? Did that like play into like you wanting to go out there and explore and uh, I don't know maybe try and like figure out some shit about your life or is more like I want to see new things? Yeah, I mean I'm not gonna pretend it was like you know I'm gonna go out there and then come back with some revelation of exactly what I want to do because I wasn't like working within the field that I'm in or anything. But uh, definitely I think having some time away from what's typical can just kind of bring you a new perspective on what you value and definitely going somewhere like Europe from the U.S., which is a really unique culture and especially work culture, uh, definitely kind of lets you think about things in a different way moving forward. Well, let's talk about that. Like, what is, like, typical, uh, let's say for the U.S.? So both of us, um, you're not right now, but we've spent the last few years here in Dallas. And there is a very kind of, specific sort of culture that's towards like working really hard and you know making a lot of money and having like these material achievements which is they're very highly valued in our society um so what's kind of your perspective on that like what is like the typical kind of day or um typical kind of lifestyle that is expected um living in a place like the u.s and also like 
a huge kind of metroplex like Dallas. Yeah, I think it's like we put a lot of value on achievements and working so that you can have the things that you want. And I think what the things that people tend to want in the U.S. tend to come from having money and being able to live a comfortable life and even to some extent there's like the the feeling of like purpose and having an impact and being important is something that people value a lot and that comes along with the whole success thing and having money versus in Europe it's just a lot of a lot of emphasis on that work life balance and you being able to relax outside of work and just kind of do what you want to do there's a little bit less of that focus on the um really high end materialistic things at least in some of Europe yeah, I mean, it's interesting because <laughs> so I when I was in the south of France, I was in this small, super tiny town called Le La Vendue, and there's literally not a single person that spoke English. Like there's a few, but it was for the most part very, very French. And we went one day where we w- drove two hours along the closest place called the Semaphore du Dromont. I don't know if I said that right. Anyways. Um, we were climbing on like these cliffs above the ocean. Super awesome. Um, all kind of small towns, like super tiny, cute, you know, just a bunch of French people like in their speedos and whatnot, just kind of hanging out, a lot of camping out of their vans. And then, you know, we we're like, okay, on the way back to the Airbnb, like, let's stop in Saint Tropez. Like, we've heard a ton about this place. It's me. One of my cousins, he's 18, and then my sister and two uh, other cousins who are girls. And it was interesting because, you know, we got there and it was immediately like, boom, we're in this super materialistic, super rich kind of area. Um, there's yachts, there's the all the designer stores, there's all the girls who are stocking up on Instagram pictures for a month and the girls loved it. They were like super into it and me and my cousin were like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, what is this place? Like we were just in, we were in this beautiful, you know, quiet French coastline. No one's really super crazy, just chilling, you know, have some wine, whatever. And then you get into Saint-Tropez where like everything is happening and it's kind of like all about money it's kind of like interesting to see like that that uh that culture difference just like from what most of the coastline was like and then to like this small little town where it was super materialistic versus kind of like everywhere else yeah i mean like it's a lot of the time the people who live live those like really simple lives um like i had pretty much the exact same change i went from a tiny little town in northern Albania where I was my whole trip was just meeting pretty much random people and then you end up doing things with random people in the hostels and so we all went on this giant eight-hour hike we had the day before and after stayed in like little homestays with these Albanian families again didn't speak any English um, made us breakfast all this stuff and you just see them like living in the mountains with their rabid dog chained up that looks like he's gonna kill you every time you walk by him and like <laughs> You know, the whole family just, like, sitting in the kitchen all day, smoking. And then I headed up north to Montenegro, to this uh, coastal town called Uchin. And it's wild. They're partying on the beach every night, super touristy. Everybody is dressing up for seemingly no reason half the time. And you just kind of feel that, you really feel the difference when you go from one to the other like that. Um, It's a really drastic change. 
Yeah, it, it almost feels a little bit more like kind of the fancier areas like here in America a little bit. Um, I know it's nothing like you know the over-the-top kind of places in, in Europe that you'll find, but it just reminds me of, you know, kind of the affluence that you feel around you, especially like in the place in Dallas that we're at, like people, you know, dressing up crazy over the top, like just prioritizing like partying and um, that kind of stuff. So all those people that have all those yachts and really crazy stuff, it's like that money came from somewhere. And so someone had to work really hard to generate all of that money and now it leads to this lifestyle where they you know they've got like pretty much everything and then you compare it to the people like how you said in albania how they're living in the mountains they're chilling with the family they're just smoking they got a dog they got some cows they're in the mountains or like me like these small little beach towns where people are just hanging out chilling on the beach having a good time like and really just like spending quality time with their family which one leads to like more like happiness and fulfillment it's hard to tell and I, yeah i think something interesting with that too is like just their perspective and like what they've seen in their life is very different um like i have you know i grew up in new york city and i have some really close friends who like went to some of the wealthiest private schools in New York. And obviously we went to SMU, which is a very wealthy school. But I know I have like, I talk with my fr a really close friend about this a lot where he has some friends who are like, who's like their parents are like billionaires and they are just always miserable because they grew up with all this money. And so they have nowhere to go. And so it's like their standard of living that they saw growing up was so high that there's just nowhere to go from there. And it's like growing up in that extremity of materialism is just something that seems so wild to me and that was also part of the thing with that like small village in albania is you know they were an extremely communist country until just about 30 years ago um and so they all have that appreciation it's like you see all the stand-up comedians uh with like foreign parents who talk about like oh i was in the korean war and they won't let you have anything you know if you're like oh i had a shitty day at school they're like oh well i fought in the korean war <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's like a lot. I feel like a lot of it's perspective, and that's the one thing that I, traveling, especially in Europe and meeting people, is there's the stereotype about Americans that we just have no perspective. Is we're so internally focused on our own country and on our own stuff, and I think that's probably a big source of the discontentedness that a lot of people have with their lifestyles. So, do you think? So let's talk about that. The kind of being inwardly focused. You know, there's the stereotypes that like. Americans don't know any geography about the rest of the world. They just don't even care. But like, I got I got made fun of so much for that, man. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm good. I'm I think I'm pretty good at geography relative to most people, but it's just the immediate joke. Like, oh, do you even know where we are right now? <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny. So, like, what are those? Let's like go through the pros and the cons of like being plugged in and into like that whole like American kind of you know mindset where it's like okay work hard earn your earn your material wealth and that leads to happiness or it leads to a better lifestyle i don't really know what it leads to it leads to fulfillment um i don't really think it does i think it probably leads to just the ability to find happiness maybe a little bit easier just because you don't have a significant time or 
time delay that it takes to like earn money to go and do things or whatnot. But like what, yeah, what are the pros and cons of being plugged in in this like American kind of inward work hard kind of society? What do you think? I think there's kind of two sides of it. I think there's the side of like, and I think this is where the European aspect comes in is a lot of them work to live. So they'll, especially like the people I was with who are some of them traveling for six months at a time in hostels for a year, two years, three years. You meet some people who are doing that, and it's like, that's so antithetical to our culture. But those people will go home, right? Some of the people I spoke to, is like they're like, okay, I'll return home, and I'm going to find a job. And I know that if I work this job for five months, I can save enough money to travel in this location for six months afterwards. And so they'll, they'll literally work just to live this not even lavish lifestyle, you know, going around living cheaply just so they can travel because that's what they love. Whereas in the U.S., there's that pressure to live to work. But I think the benefit of the American lifestyle is when you're not just living to work, but you're working because you find purpose in what you're doing. And I think that's where the benefit comes in. I think that's where a lot of people got lost on that American mentality because it wasn't meant to be something where you just end up working a job for the rest of your life. And some people can do that and be happy as long as they're making a living and providing for their family. But I think that like that American mentality is really about finding something to work towards and work for and have a purpose and gaining fulfillment from purpose. And I think that's the one thing that I saw from a lot of the people that I met who are growing older traveling Europe is they're they are working to live and they go and they have fun and meet people and it, it's a really great time. But a lot of them seem very purposeless, at least from what I saw. But I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, even even with that, you know, the whole American thing of like work hard to find your purpose and, you know, strive to, you know, leave leave the world with a positive influence by, you know, exchanging like your your positive like goods or services and the market like gives you money in return because you're giving them something that they want and something that they can't get otherwise but is that the reality of what most people end up in because as you've seen just from our small our small little bubble of what we experienced in college or whatever most people are following the set path that is uh that is you know kind of programmed into them to be like this is the way to go this is going to be this is what's going to lead to the most material success that's what's emphasize it all the time it's like you work your ass off and you're going to be making millions we're never being educated on like oh this is how you find your purpose this is how you find something that you're deeply passionate about and that you can get you know economic return from and exchange like some sort of positive good or service and then get the material success from i don't feel like we're educated on that um so i understand like that you know, in essence, that might be the American dream, but is that actually what people, what actually happens in reality? Do you feel like you saw more of that where you were traveling, like abroad, where you, you saw more people who, like, um, like in the European countries, for example, you were in or Mexico or wherever else you've been in your life is, do you feel like you've seen more so people, even if it's a simple purpose, people will find something, like you said, just exchanging something goods or service for money and finding that whereas do you feel like you've seen the American populace is just too much just being told okay you just go work a nine to five and 
yeah, you just don't know how to find your purpose through that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing like to yeah. Okay, so let's let's take this for example. So I, I ended up in Switzerland in Zermatt, right? Zermatt's a tiny little mountain town. It's quite touristy, actually. It's the the whole town's mainly hotels and restaurants and whatnot. But the locals there, the people who grow up in Zermatt, they will grow up either with their family, right, on a farm, from the age of two years old the moment they can walk they have a pair of ski boots on and they're skiing and a lot of these people grow up and they grow up just to shred the mountain they grow up to go out there and ski and their purpose is to share that with people who come into town they end up being ski instructors they end up working at like the rental shop or they're a ski technician or their ski patrol or they work on the mountain they're somehow contribute to sharing the gift that they've had from such a young age something that they love something that is essentially a part of their family so that's something that i found was like oh this was like so integral to their society was just like growing up to be like oh you know this is the mountain this is like a part of who we are culturally and you know they grow up to love it and just want to share it with people and that becomes their purpose and you know with business and stuff here i mean there's there's definitely ways for people to find stuff that they like and that they know can you know bring positivity and you know help other people in the world while also getting monetary gain but there isn't such like a kind of that easy blueprint like the one that I just laid out. Yeah, I think it's really tough, especially today in America. I think something that even I myself has struggled with is when you have so many options, when your world is bigger, it's a lot harder to find a path, right? So if you're living in like a small town and you don't really know anything else, it's very easy to be like, okay, well, my dad was a butcher and I'm going to take over that because I know what that is and it's something I can do well and I can provide something to people for that. And obviously this isn't me complaining. I'm fortunate to have all of like all of the options in front of me having gone to like a big school and living in the US and having the internet and everything. But I do think it makes makes it harder to find something that to like truly hone in on. Um, it's a lot easier to jump around to different things because I think there's a lot of interesting things in the world, but yet yeah, to focus on one thing and hone in on that um, and really care deeply about that is something that I think does bring a lot of fulfillment to people. Is that something we should do though? Like, should we should we be specializing in certain things? Like, should we be honing on one stuff, or should we really be like taking advantage of high speed internet and taking advantage of having you know the collective like thousands of years of knowledge being you know, a 30 second Google search away. Should we be using those resources in order to like learn more about like more stuff rather than dedicating our resources to just be so dialed in on like one thing? Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's still important. I think it's a great thing to diversify the things you're learning. But I I think that in the end, right, and something that I trying to figure out myself, right, is like, I'm always someone who's going to be interested in multiple things. You know, I've my creative interests, I have my kind of interests that I focused on school and marketing and business. I have my hobbies and whatever else. But I do think that, yeah, when it comes to, you know, making money and providing for yourself and 
for a lot of people providing for a family. Um, you, I think you see a lot of people who are just miserable and they do have all those things and they sometimes just don't choose to do something that they feel some sense of purpose for. And again, I, I think that sense of purpose can be small and you can a lot of people will change career paths and that's fine. But I do think that a lot of people fall into the trap, right? They go to school and this, you kind of just learn things in school and you just get a nine to five job and you kind of have to stay in that nine to five. Uh, because you need to pay the bills and again I think the perspective thing is tough because you see all these other people in the US you see people making millions and millions of dollars and yet the little family living in the mountains in Albania or, or in France in a small town or skiing in Zermatt is their quality of living their standard of living is lower but yet they're so much happier and I've been trying to figure out exactly why that is and I can have my theories well, why do you think that is is that like a lot of these people who live simple lives sometimes seem so much happier well, the first thought that comes to my mind is that they're in a low-stress environment. So we live, you know, with the hustle and bustle of, like, cities and working these jobs, like, they tend to be higher stress. You know, working in an office building, sitting down all day, being hunched over computers, worrying about this number that's coming out, or am I going to hit this quota, or um, am I going to get fired if you know, this, you know, whatever. They live in a low stress environment, right? That person, like, they, their economy is gonna run regardless, right? It snows every winter. There's always gonna be tourists coming. There's always people coming to hike and to sightsee in the summer. They always have that, right? And then they always have their family. Like, they have these important, like, family units that are kind of built there and they, People tend not to venture out and they just kind of like hang out on the farm and, you know, the father worked on the mountain. The father was a farmer. They, the son now, you know, he eventually takes over. He, uh, you know, handles the goats or whatever it is. Uh, it's like really low stress. They have that family support structure. Uh, it's just completely different to what we have here because, you know, we're living in these like really, really tightly packed cities and we're working like different kinds of jobs. Uh, and it's like very high stress. Uh, I'm just speaking from personal experience. Like I don't like living in the city. You know, I, I was in a car accident just not too long ago and I literally like got PTSD from like the, the next time I got into a car, like when I got my rental vehicle, I had like literal PTSD from driving and I was like yo this is like driving my anxiety up right now I feel like every truck on the road is gonna hit me because realistically they're not but my brain could not help myself from going there and it's just like one of those environments where like you know I, it's just like it's too much it's too much for us to handle you think about let's take like what's his name Warren Buffett for example right dude's old as hell he eats McDonald's he drinks six Coca-Colas a day, but he's also like one of the most successful people and he doesn't, he doesn't eat healthy. Like what's going on? Like why is this guy so successful? Why is he like still like relatively healthy at this age despite like what he puts into his body not being healthy? It's like he lives a low stress life, right? His like time, his time delay to making decisions is sometimes like six to 12 to 18 months dude takes walks in the sun all day you know um he's just hanging out letting his body pro his brain process like information lives a relatively calm lifestyle lives somewhere in fucking like 
you know, somewhere in the Midwest where it's just like, you know, cornfields or, or mountains or whatever. I don't know where he lives, but Nebraska, I think. But, uh, it's like that difference between like a low stress and a high stress environment, being calm and having a busy mind. Um, it's like being able to quiet yourself, being able to enjoy yourself, like that kind of stuff. I think that that's probably the main differences. Yeah, no, so I, uh, I agree completely. I think that's, if anything, one of the benefits of traveling um, is that, that I felt is you really just in an extreme way get taken away from everything, all the stresses of life and all that really gives you a lot of space to gain clarity um, and think about things from an outside perspective. And I think one of the things that probably makes Warren Buffett one of those most successful people is he probably has figured out the strategies to be able to do that on a daily basis, which is obviously a great skill. But being able to do that while traveling and meeting new people and having different experiences, I think is something really valuable. What do you, what do you think you got, took away the most from traveling that's different from like kind of being in that typical school environment u.s dallas okay yeah so there's two things i want to respond to about what you said before i answer that question so the first thing is there's this really cool book it's called deep work by cal newport and it basically kind of it's like a deep dive into how the human brain like works and like learns and is like you know most productive and how to like optimize your lifestyle so that your productivity is high during certain parts and then you allow your brain to process and your subconscious to actually create solutions for you when you're not actively working. And I think this is the strategy that, that Warren Buffett is using. It's, you know, you just work for like three to four hours a day being super focused and then literally just go out there and like don't do anything for the rest of that, literally do nothing, like be calm, uh, let your mind like be free, like go take a walk through a forest or, you know, go enjoy some sunlight, go be with your family, go, go do something where your brain is not thinking about work and it allows your brain to subconsciously, it's going to be subconsciously working through the problems that you have and you'll actually like, you'll wake up the next morning with the solution to your problem or you'll wake up with the next step. Uh, and that's something super interesting that I think is kind of what's going on a little bit, um, especially with people who are like ultra successful is that, I mean, at least for some, it's like in order to stay happy and like productive and be able to go after it day for day, they, they don't work too much. They work very hard for like a, a few blocks and then allow their brain to process. Yeah, I've actually um, I've I've actually read part of that book. Um, I own that book, and yeah, it's like just a really cool idea of like you can be so much more productive in a shorter amount of time because people tend to get so distracted when they work. And yeah, the idea of letting of letting your brain do the work for you is something that I've actually been looking into over the past couple of weeks. I forget what his name was, but there was this. I'll have to get it. There was this guy who. He studied the work of um, some other guy who essentially the idea is he lets, he trains his, he trains himself to let his brain into different states of being, right? So, and he classifies them in different levels and one level is when you're asleep and then there's another level kind of above that and above that and then the level we're all at now, which is you're kind of overthinking and thinking about things too much. 
Mm. Um, but it's like training yourself to get into that deep work state, that kind of flow state where your body and brain do things for you. And he eventually trained himself, his brain, to solve problems, like you said, while he was sleeping, which is seems like something that's so invaluable because if you think about it, you sleep for how many hours of the day, um, then you have so much more free time. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and I'll kind of tie this back to your question that you know our minds are really so busy all the time. You know, it some most people have like their alarm clock on their phone, right? So they wake up and then you immediately turn off the alarm on your phone. You're already staring at your phone, then boom, they're like, okay, let me like scroll through some shit, whatever. Scroll through TikTok, Instagram, and then you're immediately getting hit with like random, inf- like basically random information um, and your brain starts processing it. Now there's like shit in your mind, like you're thinking about whatever the other person's doing or whatever that, you're distracted, you're being sold to through advertisements and whatnot. And we're just so busy. We're always thinking about something. We're always plugged into something. And it kind of takes away that ability to A, enter those states of like super deep work, um, and then B, be in the state of calm after you've completed your work and allow your body to, your brain to process what's happened versus the brain and the subconscious being distracted about the extra information you're feeding yourself. And then, to tie this back to like my experience in Europe is that I did I would like leave my phone in my room all day like I didn't use my phone like I would wake up in the south of France and I would walk down to the beach for the sunrise and I would watch the sunrise over the Mediterranean and then I would swim in the water and I would hang out and I'd go back upstairs and I'd have an espresso and I'd just admire the beauty and then as my cousins and my sister and they'd wake up and I would hang out with them and we'd go get a croissant or we'd go to a different beach or we'd go get a paddleboard or a kayak or we went to go climbing or we went to do some other activity and it was never I, I literally would not use my phone I remember my screen time usage went down from like three to four hours a day down to like an hour you know, it was crazy and I felt awesome. Like I was just so present in every moment, um, just taking it all in. I was like, this is incredible. Like these places that I'm seeing um, are blowing my fucking mind right now. Like I didn't know all of this existed. There's all of these people here that are speaking a different language. Like in my head that people who um, had some like immigrants, like people who emigrate from other countries in my head, they all went to the U.S., right? It, it, it never switched, never clicked that, like, you know, brown people or black people immigrate to France and they speak French. It was like, what what the hell is going on here? Um, like, my brain was kind of being thrown for a loop in so many different directions. And the only reason I was actually making those observations or having those thoughts is because I was completely present in the moment and actually, like, trying to. Trying to see, like trying to be curious like trying to ask like why why does this work like this way like why do they live this way why why do they do that and literally like i just wouldn't use my phone and it was incredible it was it was like awesome you know and immediately i come back to america and i'm like plugged in again and 
I don't know. It's like the difference in environment, I guess. Yeah, man. I had I had the exact revelation of that this morning as I got the little notification from my phone. It's like your screen time is up this many hours this week compared to last week because I just got back. I was like, oh crap, and. Yeah, that same thing of like, I think you're so much more present. I had about a month into my trip, I was thinking back because every week feels like two months when traveling, at least for me it did. And I was like realizing is that I was thinking back on my trip to like the day I started my trip and the next day and the next day. And I realized I could like recall even the little details of every day. I could tell you, like I was thinking back, I was like, oh, I know what exactly what I ate every meal that day. I know all the people I spoke to. I know what I spoke with these people about. I know like kind of what I was thinking about them at this time. And I've never been busy. I've never met more people in such a short span in my life. Because, you know, you walk into a new hostel and you're going to meet 20-something people that day at least if you're being social. And I was still able to, like, recall all these things when typically, you know, I'm at school and I'm like, what the hell did I even eat for dinner last night? No idea. And, yeah, that idea of, like, being present is, like, I felt like the small things were so much more meaningful. Like I, I would remember a conversation with some, like I'd be somewhere and I'd meet some 40 year old from Northern Ireland and have a smoke and a beer with him in the mountains of Slovenia. And it's like, I could tell you exactly what we talked about. Um, and I felt that was one of the things is I was connecting with people so much easier. And I don't know exactly why that is, but it was just so much easier to relate to people and talk to people and meet people and, it's just the excuse of going on the phone takes away from that. Like, I would just talk to everyone when I was traveling, and now it's like you get in an elevator, and the second you walk in, everyone's looking down at their phone. Mm. Or, you know, I'm at home with my family, and everyone's on their phone. And I don't know, it's something makes for, like, really special human connections when everyone's kind of being active and present at the same time. Yeah, I 100% agree. It, one of those, one of the pet peeves of mine is when I have a conversation with someone and they pull out their phone and they're like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, like nodding their head, but you just know they're not, even if they're trying to listen to you, they're not really listening. And it's kind of a terrible experience interacting with someone. It's horrible, man, and I, I, I actually catch myself, I catch myself doing that sometimes and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I, this is not, I should not be doing this. First of all, like, it's like rude to the other person and it's also like, damn, I'm actually addicted to this thing because I'm. they're actually talking about something interesting and my instinct is still to like take a look at my phone. Yeah, um, and dude, it's, well, the smartest people in our society are paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to design these devices to addict us. I mean, in a way, like, it's our fault because we have the power to not look at our phone, but the odds are also stacked against us because they're literally designed to addict us. And you know, we all, we all fall into that trap. Like we all pull out our phone. And I think part of that is just kind of the way we grew up is that we didn't know what was happening. You know, back, back when I was a young kid and I'd feel a little like socially awkward or something and I would just pull out my phone and start playing some random game to distract myself rather than like actually trying to make real human connections. I, we, I didn't know what I was doing. It was just kind of like the easiest option. Like I was taking the path of least resistance as humans will always do. Uh, we always take the path of least resistance unless you consciously do something else. And then so being in that new environment, right, where it breaks all of your habits, like 
going to Europe, right? We don't have any preset habits for this environment. It's all new to us. It's all completely novel experience. And so we have the power to create our own habit. And then when you're there, it's like, holy shit, this is awesome. Like, I, I don't need my phone. Like, wow, it, I actually really, really enjoy talking to this person. And that's where it, I think the, that's again, like part of the value is it's being in that new environment. It makes it really easy to like, even if you're not trying to, you'll examine yourself, you'll find things about yourself, habits, whatever, that you maybe would have just not realized if you were at home. And yeah, it's like, it, it makes it easier to break habits. Like even just talking, I, I realized even the way I communicate with people, I think has changed a lot over the past six weeks. In what um, way? I think I, I don't tend to, um, I think I tend to keep conversations surface level as a habit with people I don't know. But then with people, I mean, as you know, right, with our long conversations that tend to happen, is with people I know well, it's, I think, kind of the opposite, is uh, I'll probably talk too much about things in too deep of a way. But, um, yeah, I think it was, it's like, I think just, like, kind of letting loose a little bit with people I don't, I don't really know. And I, I think on this trip, it was almost out of necessity. Mm. Um but it makes it made me aware of it. I think in a way that I didn't realize before. Where I would just, I think I, I don't know if it's like just habit or if I just wasn't putting in effort, or maybe even just the fact that I had my phone in my pocket. Who knows? But just the fact that I became aware of it, as I realized over my trip, is I was having a lot more of an easy time meeting new people and having good conversations with people. Whether that spurned into a friendship and some people I'm still talking with now, or just a one-off conversation. Um, it kind of always, it was progressively getting better for me as I was traveling and meeting tons of people. Hmm. So why why was it a necessity to go deeper out there in your conversation? Uh, it was out of, out of necessity because you're, I was in an environment where I didn't know anyone and I wasn't gonna, you know, I was had the same thing where I kind of kept my phone away and I was having these new experiences and traveling and doing interesting things and it's like, you know, I didn't. I don't want to do things alone, and I could still meet people. But you know, when you're talking to people all the time, not only does it naturally get better, but I think you do realize your bad habits because there's no out. There's no okay. Well, I have my friends I already have that I can speak to or go hang out with, or I can go chill on my phone. It's like I'm in London or I'm in the mountains in Albania or wherever is like. I want to go do this thing and these you know everyone else is kind of on the same page in hostels everyone's like I want to go meet some people and so it kind of just happens you kind of just naturally have to adapt because you can't just be like hey how's it going nice weather we're having where are you from and leave it at that everyone's kind of on the same page of wanting to make friends with each other mm -hmm. but at the same time that kind of weird thing knowing like yeah in a few days I might never see you again and that's fine mm -hmm. but let's not make it weird like be strangers the whole time kind of thing so um, and I'm sure you know people like this but I know I know people who naturally do that really well my mom is someone who makes friends with literally everybody like she can walk into a store and she'll become best friends with the cash register in two two seconds um, and I think some people that comes naturally and for me that's a skill I've had to start developing but I think something that's really valuable how how did you start to develop that skill while you're out there like you said, it, it took you a little bit of warming up, maybe knock the rust off a little bit to start to make some of those deeper connections a little bit faster. So what, you know, 
looking back after the fact, what strategies did you employ to really find people to do shit with? Yeah, I mean, to, to some extent, like I said, the, the reason it's a little, little bit was forced upon me is because of the environment that takes place in hostels. Like, sometimes it's just easy. Sometimes, like, my first day in Albania, I showed up in the capital in Tirana, and I was like, oh, hey, what's up to a couple of guys there? Um, some guy from Italy, some guy from Australia. And they're like, yeah, we're going on this walking tour in the city right now. You want to come? Like, sure. And then end up, you know, doing a two-hour walking tour, learning about the country with them, go to a museum, and get drinks later that night. And so sometimes it's as easy as that, and then you kind of just get to know people, and you're doing an activity with someone, learning new things, and it gets and it's easy. But yeah, when you're sitting in a hostel, is just practice, honestly, man. Like, um, I've. I was kind of an awkward kid growing up and definitely going to college helped with that because in high school, I, God knows I could was shit at meeting new people in high school. College, I got better. Um, so I think really just exposure um, and I think the opportunity with traveling is that you're in a different environment and you're meeting different kinds of people than you'll t- typically meet. And I think that's, again, where the value really comes in is because it's people all over the world in hostels. You know, I'll walk in, uh, mostly Australians, because they like to travel. <laughs> but you meet, you meet people from everywhere, man, like literally everywhere. And everybody has their own unique stories and background and culture. And that's the one thing with especially like a college like we went to in the U.S. is it's a lot of very similar people. A um, homogenous and so learning group. To, yeah, very very homogenous group. And so learning to be able to just like be yourself but still adapt to different kinds of people is I think where the value is because I know I met people on the trip who couldn't do that well um, and I think the place I really noticed that the first was Slovenia I was at probably one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen and will see in my life is Lake Bled Slovenia and there's this pub in pub there that um, is open like almost all night and the one place in town that's open past 12 and has like dance music and people dancing and you go out onto the porch People are smoking, and there was kind of always this group of Slovenian guys, you know, these locals. A couple of them, you know, I mean, sometimes scary looking, man, like they're Eastern European. Definitely a couple of them who were like mafia and shit, which I was told by the other Slovenian guys there. But nobody, nobody goes and talks to the locals, which I found really interesting. And I would go and talk with them, and that's it's it's really different talking to, you know, again people there who are like who the fuck are these tourists we don't really care for them but there are people who literally like look at me like i was looked at me like i was weird for talking to them like people from my hostel and hmm. and other people from the hostel who just like they, they just don't seem to like be able to connect with people on that same level and i i feel like i see it a lot because i again i used to be like that i used to not be able to talk with people very well um and connect with people new people i was meeting but yeah i think just it helps you to kind of be yourself more because you realize everyone has their own stories and most people are genuinely good people and have good intentions and just being able to relax and practicing I think is the one thing that really helps with that. Yeah. You know, as you're speaking, I I started to, like the whole be yourself thing. I feel like in my own life, and this is, maybe a lot of people do this, like they are themselves, but they're not, you know, they're not 100% themselves when they interact with someone new. They're like a dampered down version, you know. They've taken some sedatives, they've put some sedatives on their personality. And maybe, you know, they're still kind of interacting like the way they would, but 
it's just not to the same degree. And I think like I'd probably do some of this in my own life as well because, you know, seeing the type of people that I'm around, it's like, oh, I should, I unconsciously act the way I think that they would react the most positively to rather than acting like myself unapologetically. And I feel like doing that, being yourself 100% of the time, actually leads to stronger, more genuine connections. Just kind of like you said, because you just put yourself out there and you just talk to people and you will learn how to connect. It's just a natural, it's a natural human thing to be able to connect with others. And I think people, I think people sense it when you're not, people really do sense it when you're not completely being yourself, when you put those dampers on, on who you are. And I, I have the same thing, I think, where I will subconsciously do that a lot. And the one thing I realized, again, like the Australians, like I think it's kind of a stereotype as well, but it's true. It's like for the Australians and the Irish are, you know, both of them tend to have really big personalities and, you know, they'll say what they think and say what they mean. Um, and sometimes, you know, people find that annoying or whatever. And, you know, there I've met people that I didn't really get along with, but you can tell when someone is truly being themselves and it makes them, even if they're like kind of just messing around with people, which again, like going out to a bar with Irish guys, uh, they will really mess around. They'll kind of fuck around with you. And that's how they build connections with people a lot. But I think the reason that is, is it's almost like a test is like, are you really being yourself here? Are you really showing me who you are? And even like, I've met some like two, two of the guys working at one of my hostels in Montenegro were like ex Serbian military guys. And one of them like constant jokes saying shit that would not fly in the US just like saying crazy shit man and they don't like Americans they don't like Albanians a lot and he didn't really mean it half the time but he was he would just fuck around and you know if I'm like sitting there like oh why is he being mean about the US or whatever it's like that's not gonna build any connection but he's just joking right and so to be able to I think the more yourself you are you also sense that in other people because again I've I was with people who kind of don't understand when people kind of mess around like that and it prevents them from making connections with people. Whereas, you know, when I, when I went out and I started to be like, okay, you know, this is kind of just how they interact with people. Uh, you actually start making connections and you start talking with people. And again, most people are genuinely good people. I really believe that, but yeah, it takes a lot of practice. I've, I've had to work on it a lot myself because I definitely have that subconscious thing where I will, more, I think, tend to subconsciously act how I think I should act rather than being who I think I am and saying what I think I want to say. So, mm, yeah. Okay. So, going on that, like, there's a lot of people who struggle with human connection in our society for um, many of the reasons we've already expressed in this podcast. So, thinking about that, who who should be going out there and seeking out these kinds of experiences? Like, who is who is it? Is it most important for for them to get out of America or get out of the bubble that they live in and go have these novel experiences? Honestly, I think um, I think in the right mindset, anybody can take away value from traveling and seeing different types of people. I like I grew up in uh, New York City. All of my grandparents, great grandparents, great great grandparents were immigrants into New York City from other countries. And so like, I was raised hearing stories of all these other cultures and adventures and 
grew up in schools where I had a lot of like diversity and people from different places. So I, I guess I don't, I don't think I fully understand like how weird it is, right? When people who've lived in like a small town their entire lives and you hear stories of people who get very stuck. But even then, I think everyone can get value away from that and away from traveling. I think it's just about do you have the right mentality to go do it right now? Are you in the right place to go do it? Because I know I was in a good place to travel in between school and a job. And I think now is the word I used with you yesterday when we spoke was it's a different season for me now. I think it's a good time for me to put my head down and get back into the American work mindset and work hard and focus on something and build something. But I think there's a time for everyone to go find other cultures. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think it's really important because so the, the way I see it is that novelty is the key to happiness uh, because the way human brains work is that we are habitual creatures and it's a matter of efficiency, right? The brain wants to conserve energy and be as efficient as possible um, to I- increase the likelihood of our survival. If you think back to like hunter-gatherer kind of stages, our bodies need to be efficient, conserve energy because we don't know when the next meal is coming and we don't know what kind of predators or rival tribes or whatever. So we need to create habits and almost turn parts of the brain off so that we can be as efficient as possible. And what the brain does is once we create our habits and our routines, the first parts of the brain that gets turned off are our dopamine centers and our serotonin centers. What are those neurochemicals? Uh, Dopamine is what drives motivation, it drives hard work, it drives our desire and pleasure to somewhat. And serotonin, relaxation, comfort, kind of all that kind of stuff. So all the stuff that make us feel happy and relaxed, that stuff gets turned off as a a, uh, result of the brain trying to achieve efficiency. And the only way to break that pattern, to reignite your dopamine centers, to reignite your serotonin centers, is to introduce novelty. It's to do completely different things that break your habit. You have to break your habits. And that sometimes that means changing the location too, completely different. And so that's why I think it's so important. Like consistent travel, consistent novelty, consistently breaking the habits that you build on a day-to-day basis are what gonna keep your keep you happy. It's gonna extend your life. Because I think, you know, we talk about health and exercise and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff, but what's gonna lead to us living the longest life is if we're happy. So being able to get out there and travel is what's gonna do that. As well as, you know, a multitude of other things, because you can break your habits even where you live, but this is like that highest level, the most extreme, which will really just, you know, help you be more sustainable in the long run. So everyone should travel <laughs> TLDR. Um, do yeah. you think like where do you think uh, where do you think the line is on like because again like we were talking about how a lot of people their passion almost is traveling right and I think there's some people who will maybe travel and work and be like digital nomads. There's some people who will work to travel. There's some people who will just kind of aimlessly travel. Is what level of traveling do you think is typically beneficial? Do you think there's a level of travel that's 
escapism. 100%. And it depends on what you want, right? Like, it comes back to, like, what do you want and why do you want it? Because there's a lot of people who are content to live that, like, travel lifestyle. And But, you know, it's like, do you want to have, like, a family and, like, be able to support them? You know, like, do you want to be able to send your kids to, like, the best schools? Do you want to be able to feed them the foods that are going to sustain them and grow them to be healthy? Do I want to avoid all of the poisons that are out there in modern society and like have a nurturing environment for my family? When I think about that, it's like, okay, the travel lifestyle isn't going to work because I need to, I need to build actual wealth right now. And then after, you know, you build a certain amount of wealth, you can travel as much as you want. But until then, it's like, okay, maybe once a year or twice a year, we can go on a big trip. But I have, I have huge goals for the way I want to raise my family, where I want to live, how I want to have my parents with me in a giant house, how I want to be able to go where I want to, when I want to, and not be limited by time or money or other uh, responsibilities. And because, you know, I, the way I developed this opinion is when I used to work as a ski instructor, I was living in employee housing, right? Subsidized by the, by the mountain I worked for. And I would work five days a week for the mountain, earning 15, 17 bucks an hour. Um, they would take rent straight out of my paycheck and then I'd live with a bunch of other 19 year olds. But the thing is, is that I was in the under 21 housing over 21, there are people into their 30s, into their 40s, still living in employee housing, still making 15, 17, 19, 20 bucks an hour. And I, I, like I saw that and I was like, what the hell are these people doing? Like, why, why are they content to live in subsidized housing, earning $19 an hour when they have a kid or two kids for with two separate women who they can't support, who they don't see, and they're working this job where they have no future. And yeah, they get to snowboard all the time. That's great. But like for me personally, I'd rather go out there and get to snowboard in Europe when I want to. Or have have built up all the wealth where I have a house on the slopes and I can go out there and take my kids and we can ski all day. And so that's, that's my thing. It's like, what are, what are your goals in life? Do you want to have this kind of future where you can provide for everyone that you care about and not be limited by external factors, have the freedom in your life? Or do you want to just, you know, live kind of the, the day to day, you know, live the live paycheck to paycheck, but you love it. I don't really well, so know. Yeah, my question works. for you then though is would, where does it do you see it more as like a society problem that more and more people are trying to live on the day to day or like a personal thing because there's always been people like that right there's and i've i can tell you i've met a lot of people like that i mean some again great people even some older people like you said um i met this guy i think the same one i was talking about before from northern ireland getting into his older years and he's been doing backpacking trips in hostels since 1999 you know a ton of incredible stories he's like yeah you know my brother thinks i'm crazy but he's like yeah my brother's at home complaining about his wife and i'm out here having a great time and super chill guy there's a lot of older people in hostels that are kind of weird and creepy and he was just a really great guy and i 
I would talk with him and hear out his stories and everything. But it's like, where does, where does one person's, you know, when someone's happy with that, right? If someone is genuinely happy with that and they don't want a family and they're content, at least my perspective is like, okay, that's fine. But once it becomes like a societal thing where many people in our society are okay with that without having the responsibility and purpose, that's where I see the problem starting to come in. And that's where I'm like, why is this something that's happening right now? Why is why are people in mass becoming more like, I don't really care about my future. I'm just happy having fun the day, in my day to day. Which is, again, I think why we see less people having kids, getting married. What do you what do you see as the problem within that? It's an education problem. People, education. Yeah, people are not receiving the education they need to build a life for themselves. And as you and I both know, the col- college education is not the answer to that solution. The high school education is not the answer to that solution. Like people don't aren't out there building actual skills to exercise you know, their creativity or to be able to build new things or to be able to build products or services that deliver value to the marketplace so that they can earn you know, monetary uh, compensation in return. It, we, we don't have it. So it's like how, when people, let's say they grow up in a neighborhood like you know, the hood in Oakland, Oakland, California, right? They drop out of high school. Their role models are gangbangers. So they don't really have anything to, to build a successful life. And then they find this area, they, this, uh, they find a job where they can go work at a mountain and the housing is subsidized. And they're like, man, this is great. Like I'm out of the hood. I'm, I have a, a place to live. I'm working a job, I'm having fun. I have friends, but then they get stuck in that cycle. And the reason is because there isn't accessible education for them to advance more in in their lives. It's just like you can go to college, you can get into $200,000 of debt, or you just try and figure some shit out. And there's people that try and they like actually build some shit. But most people, most businesses, I don't know what the statistic is. It's like 95% of like new small businesses fail within the first two years. It's something crazy like that. It's because like we don't, we don't have the education to build stuff. Like everyone has, like every human has the ability to work for themselves as their own boss and to create shit, exercising their own creativity and be successful. But we don't have the education to allow for that to happen. Like we don't have equal opportunity. So that's kind of that's kind of the disconnect, I think. Yeah, I would, uh, I would 100% agree that's part of the puzzle. Although I would say, right, if you, when you have kids, where is most of what they learn gonna come from? Not only just on an academic level, but in terms of life, everything. Where do they, kids learn the most from? It's, it's your, their parents. It's their parents, right? yeah. Their parents. And so I see it almost more as like a cultural and social problem um, rather than educational. And obviously that ties in. But from what I've seen, it's like parents are the ones who set the standards for their kids, right? And I mean, all you have divorce rates going up in the US, right? So you have all these disjointed households. It's what half of kids are being raised in, in single parent households or separated households. Um, that's already gonna cause issues. And then, and then you have a bunch of parents who are both busy working because, again, they didn't work ahead to be able to be with their kids and raise them themselves. 
And so then I guess that's where the other problem is, is then the education system ends up raising them. The education system is shit. But it's so like, like, I don't, I don't think most people know their, know their values even, is what I've observed. It's like, and again, through traveling is you go to countries in Europe and you can travel way shorter distances than in the U.S., right? And you'll have much larger changes in culture, right? You can go from one country to another in two hours and have a more massive culture change than going from California to New York. But you go into these countries and you see some sense of unity in what those people in the, the people in that country value and like, and what they think is important. And I just I don't really see that in the U.S. or even in like specific areas in the U.S. I think that's kind of been dissipating away a little bit. And I think that's a problem too, right? Because then when you don't have, you know, a strong household, two parents raising their kids with consistent values, and then they go to the school system and society for those things. You know, education or, or whatever. Something about education and family. I yeah. Mean. Anyways, I think we kind of agree um, on basically how it works. There's a whole bunch of like societal issues and problems whether they stem from parenting or education or whatever. There's a whole bunch of issues. I don't really remember. Oh, I think what, what I was going to was just like, yeah, I think it's, there is, I think, traveling again. You see a different kind of unity within other countries on right, that front. Right. Yeah, so. you, know, you know what's interesting? How, when you came back from your travels, how was like your mindset, right? So for me, like I, okay, when I went on my trip to Europe, I was in like grind mode and we were like bringing in like decent amounts of cash. Like it was more money than I'd ever made in the shortest amount of time. Like it was like, holy shit, like we're earning a lot of money right now. While um, you were traveling or no, 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 after right, you got Right before, right before. Okay. Um, and then I went to Europe. I kind of experienced the whole thing, you know, Paris, people are like, like, yeah, we just we work so we can live and enjoy. We don't live so we can work and like make money and shit. And then I get back and then Switzerland, but Switzerland blew me away where it was just like, oh my God, you know, I could just lay here in a sleeping bag in the middle of the mountains and be happy. And I came back to the US and I was like, yo, fuck this. Like, I don't want to work. How did you feel like anything like that? Or like how to kind of have that, like, what's the right word? Kind of like that Europe kind of afterglow. The afterglow. Yeah. We'll call it maybe a, uh, yeah, we can call it a glow. Yeah. That's a nice word. The after effect. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. It was weird for me because I, um, on my trip I had this, you know, I was in the Balkans for uh, a few weeks before I flew to London before coming back home. So I had about a week in London. Um, and that was kind of a weird transition because my whole trip, I wasn't really around Americans. I was around a lot of different people in the Balkans other than Americans. And then, you know, I get to London, there's a lot of Americans in my hostel and the culture is a lot more similar to the US. And especially that part of my trip as well, I think it was, while I was still like drinking and partying over in Eastern Europe and everything, I still had that kind of like, it was kind of a different sense of adventure there. Whereas London, it was like, okay, I'm hanging out with a bunch of US and other people, mostly like Americans and Americanized, kind of Westernized people. And we're gonna go out to the club and I'll go sightseeing a bit. And then next, same thing the next night pretty much or whatever. And 
it was kind of a weird transition because that was actually at the same time my phone usage started going up again was when I went to got to London. And so, yeah, for me, it kind of I kind of phased back into life at home. And I don't think it was in a good way because I still kind of have that same thing where I'm like, I love traveling, man. Like, I loved where I was, especially when I was out in nature and everything. And I could I understand how people do it for a year. Like, I really get it. And even though there's times I was like, I'm burnt out, you get to a new place and you're just kind of refreshed immediately. But yeah, I I could be working harder right now, for sure. I'm kind of struggling to get back into that mindset. And I think that also ties in earlier with what you were mentioning about how environment is so important, is when you're surrounded by all these people who just kind of have this enjoy life attitude, it's hard to come back here and not be like, I'm gonna take it easy and appreciate the small things, and I don't really need to be like intense, head down in in my work. Yeah, I definitely. So yeah, I guess that was that's I guess sums up the afterglow, as you put it. Yeah, I mean, just like with anything in life, there's ebbs and flows. But as the river of life keeps flowing, you reach a new point in your life. It was interesting, like that whole afterglow effect really like fucked me up on my business. And then the combination of Dallas being 110 degrees, being outside, it was just a couple scenarios which really that kind of put me in a bad place. And I really just wasn't enjoying work the way I was before. Like before we left for vacation, I was really loving my work. I enjoyed it. And maybe it, it was actually that I was making a lot of money. I didn't actually enjoy the act of what I was doing, but I was getting that rush from just bringing in more money than I'd ever seen. And then when I got back and we weren't making the same amount of money, I I was like, man, do, do I actually like this or did I just like the money? It's very interesting. And then it actually has led to me making a change in direction where now I'm back here recording the podcast because while I was working on that business, I wasn't working on my podcast. And it's like this whole conversation has been so intellectually stimulating for me it reminds me like okay i'm not making any money from this but i really really enjoy it and the other thing that i was doing i was enjoying it when i was making money and when i wasn't making money i wasn't i almost felt like overwhelmed and stressed because there was this idea that like i had to make money from that like that was my money making vehicle versus like this is something i'm doing because i'm genuinely passionate about having intellectually stimulating conversation and at the and possibly providing some value to the listener very interesting how the whole kind of trip triggered that like it triggered me to realize what why it triggered me to think why am i actually doing this what is my why so i think that's I yeah think you know and like cool. yeah i mean we spoke when we spoke yesterday i was um you know you seem to have a very clear idea of what you want kind of in the future and you seem to have kind of come around that and a lot of what you were saying actually resonated with me and I I feel like I've kind of lost that clarity a little bit I feel like maybe like six months ago however many months ago in the past year I feel like I was at a point where I was like okay I can see what I want in the future I can see whatever and I just through being at school and like finishing school and having to worry about making money and finding a job and everything is I kind of just got caught up in all of that and lost that. And so even with the podcast, like you said, what you know, you wanted me to come on and I was even reluctant about coming on today because I'm like, you know, it's fine, we'll do it later. But it is important to get into that mindset of having something to work on, I think is important. Um, 
And I think that's the one thing with traveling, right? That's like good that you found your clarity, at least something to work on is um, I could see how a lot of people get lost in it and end up just only traveling because to escape from that. But I do, I think it's a really valuable thing to have that, have that clarity and have something to be passionate about at the same time as, you know, you still seem passionate about your business in Dallas, but just a little bit of a shift in like what you're putting your value in. Exactly. And, you know, it's sometimes it takes like breaking your habit to actually detach from the situation and have a little bit of an outside perspective to look at it. And be Do like, you see, is that what I want? Do you think you're going to, how is your approach going to change with your business after traveling? We, we're just slowing down, man. Just like I, I'm not interested in going out there and doing direct sales, um, at least for this business. Just because, okay, so what I realized is that, so for anyone who's listening who's a little bit confused, I started a, with a partner, we started a window cleaning company. And the way we were earning money is that I was going door to door selling window cleaning and then we would have a team of two cleaners come by and clean all the windows. And we were making a fuck ton of money. Like I think at one point we made like 15K in two weeks and I was like, hell yeah, this is awesome. Um, I've never made this much money in my life. And then coming back, I was like, okay, I was thinking about it. So window cleaning is a pretty like low leverage opportunity when you think about like how many people you have to employ to actually do the service, how you actually have all the work you have to put into, you know, like fulfilling and customer service and all of this stuff when it comes to home services, because you need to have like physical equipment, physical trucks, physical people doing the stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I've built this skill of sales from like from zero to like 10 or zero to 15. And it's giving me kind of like a little bit of a foundation where I understand some of the principles that, that are like govern like human behavior or decision-making, persuasion, influence, sales in general, a little bit of marketing. Like, okay, like, do I want this business to be the vehicle to take me from 15 to 30? Or can I find something else that is going to take me from 15 to 70 in a, like the same amount of time, right? I can keep going and go from 15 to 30, or I can do something else that's going to take me from 15 to 70. And it just so happened that I had one of those opportunities literally staring me right in front of the face. And I was like, I would be remiss. I would be an idiot to not take this opportunity because it gives me the structure and the leadership and the mentorship and a higher leverage opportunity. So I get all of I get all of the learning that I'm craving, the learning to take me to 70 in that skill of sales, and I get the higher leverage opportunity to even make way more money. Like per sale, just make way more money. So all of that stuff kind of combined was like, okay, cool. This is this is clearly the way to go because right now my why is to grow my skill of sales. My why is not to build a window cleaning company. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's really like, it's been really interesting hearing you tell me about it because I mean, I know when you first started it, you were talking about it and it seems like you've done a really good job of growing it, which I think is a tough thing to do, especially when you're entering into unknown territory and you were kind of figuring everything out as you went. And I think that's, again, another thing that I think I've, in my travels that I'm going to take into the business world, one of the lessons from traveling is 
just making decisions and not overthinking things and just being like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to do this and see how it goes. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. We move from there, maybe adjust. Um, and it seems like you've done that well, as you went from, you know, going out alone to bringing one person on to being like, oh, well, we get this tool and this is going to let us do a house two times faster. And again, that's another thing. I think one of the skills I build up traveling is I'm someone who tends to overthink my decisions and not take action as fast as I should. And I've, I've seen you do that really well in the business so far. I think that's something that is really valuable. Thank you. And I, I think that's, you kind of made a good point there is that like the past three months doing the window cleaning thing was like extremely valuable. You know, I learned so much when it comes to building customer relationships, to sales, to fulfilling a service at the same level of like that I that is like promised to the customer when it's sold. You know, becoming more efficient, like building a manual for operations, training people on how to do a job to your expectations. Because the one thing that we realize is that when you bring someone on is that they're never going to do as good of a job as you're going to do because it's not your their company, it's your company. So how do you train them to do a good job? And kind of all that stuff, I learned so much. How, how do I approach like business partners? Like what do I look for when I get a business partner? How do I manage like relationships like in the business? It's just like so much stuff. How do you manage yourself so you don't get burnt out? It's none of, none of these things I'd ever like experienced. So I experienced it once. I have a little bit of knowledge like around these very foundational topics and that's gonna help me so much as I move on to this next thing. It's not like I'm abandoning this thing that I like, oh, it's not working. I'm just gonna abandon it. It's like, okay, I we made a lot of progress. I kind of got what I... I didn't know when I started it, I didn't know what I wanted. Now I've kind of gotten what I wanted from it and I can move on and I'm happy. Yeah, I think that's like you took a risk and you put yourself in a situation where you didn't have a lot of knowledge. Um, that's kind of what you were talking, I think sounds like what you were talking about before as well with when people kind of get stuck and need to just take action. Same thing with traveling. It's really hard for a lot of people to make the decision and say, screw it, I'm just going to go somewhere. You know, it's some for someone to take a business risk without knowing a lot. Um, and that's something that I think you hear a lot of people talk about today, a lot of, especially in the self-improvement space and everything, is you can read about something, listen about something all you want, but until you just do it, that's where you're going to learn the most. And it's just being able to, being comfortable being uncomfortable is kind of the cheesy line that you hear a lot, right? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I think... It, I think it. I think it rings true, hundred percent. And I, again, something that has to be worked on. Um, I haven't like I haven't lived the most difficult life of all people, and uh, so it's definitely something I put effort into. Um, and I think that's why you see. Again, that's why like when people say another cheese line, you know, suffering builds character. It's the people who have lived tough lives a lot of the time are the people who end up having the having the grit and having the ability to take action and risks often end up being the most successful people. That was like one of my past jobs, my internship, the uh, CMO of my company was like the youngest CMO in the company's history, 33 years old. And he grew up really poor. He told me this story about how he used to shovel horse shit uh, for four years just so he could buy a car when he turned 17. And you know, 
incredible with people, incredible at marketing, really like creative, unique thinker. And so yeah, I think there really is that value in putting yourself in situations where you have to figure it out. Because that was even like, again, like nothing compared to that story I just told. But again, at least for my, you know, everyone has their own process. And for myself, just traveling and being somewhere where I was making decisions on where I was going on the day to day, I wouldn't book a place to stay. I didn't book anywhere to stay more than one day in advance, like my entire trip. And it's just being able to go with the flow without being stressed and being worried about it and just being like, I'm going to go with it. And if something goes wrong with this, I learn and go from there. And just adapting to a new environment until you get it right yeah man it is all about just iteration and adaptation and it gets you there super cool yeah i think it's a pretty good place to wrap up i really enjoyed having this conversation with you do you have any final thoughts before we go ahead and close it down no nah, man it's just been uh it's been great to come on definitely uh interesting being on a podcast the first time you know after being one of the uh stereotypical guys you know high school freshman year of college like yo bro we should start a podcast one day because i'm sure we said that to each other at one point <laughs> freshman year oh man so you know uh embracing the uh embracing the stereotype now dude the podcast is goaded i love the podcast just talk about whatever you want uh, anyways hey anyone who made it to the end thank you so much for listening this was the infinite gain have a good one